Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. It's wonderful to be able to share with you this morning as we continue throughout the season of Lent uh, our message series uh, called Real ID looking for our real identity in Christ. And some of you may have gone through a season of life, possibly somewhere from the ages of 16 to the ages of 20, where occasionally, probably not you, but you might have had friends who made fake IDs, right, Uh, for particular reasons. And as you know, very little ever good ever comes from making a fake ID. And so we're focusing on what's it mean to have a real identity because very good, very little good actually comes from living out of a fake identity as well, which we can do far into our adult years, not just in those early years. Now, today we're going to be looking at Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Many of you know we've been journeying through the Bible this year and we have a reading plan that takes us through. You can find it at concordunited.org slash Bible. It's called the Grow Through the Bible Reading Plan. And we've now journeyed through the Old Testament, through the Gospels. We're into the, the letters of Paul. And even if you haven't been with us for the whole journey, we'd love for you to join now because we believe this reading your Bible every day really helps instill that real identity within us, being in Scripture reading and prayer. And today we're looking at how Paul wrote to the Corinthians. And he was writing to a growing church uh, in a growing uh, economically vibrant area, and yet a church where the believers, the depth of their faith was not yet great. In fact, they were struggling with an immature and an insecure faith. And this immature and insecure faith that was manifesting itself within the Corinthian church threatened to tear apart the unity of the church uh, and the unity of the Christian movement. And so Paul is writing to them, about this. And not only can insecurity uh, tear apart a church, it can tear us apart. And we often don't even recognize when immaturity comes. So to help us recognize if maybe insecurity is something that not just the Corinthians needed help overcoming, uh, but that we also need help overcoming, I want to share with you what it does. And I want you to ask yourself if insecurity has ever done this to you. And then we're going to work through with the Corinthian church what it means to to overcome insecurity and how it can help us both build unity in our personal relationships and within the body of Christ that we call the church. This is what insecurity does. Insecurity makes feedback feel like criticism, criticism feel like failure, and failure feel final. Have you ever been there? Someone gives you feedback, and they might do it in really nice terms, or maybe they did it in not-so-nice terms. But you couldn't receive it as feedback. It felt like criticism, Uh, like there was nothing good that could be built upon it. And then that criticism felt like complete failure, like, oh my goodness, Uh, not just I need to learn to do this better, uh, but I am unworthy, I'm not good enough, I'm a failure. And then that failure felt final. That there wasn't really any way that 
it could be overcome. And some of us walk around in some degree or a great degree of this insecurity every day and it's no way to live. And it makes no sense, but we allow it to continue to dominate our lives. Now, I want to ask you a, a, a very simple question uh, about some common things you, you see every day. You see these three things that are appearing on, on the screen? What do they have in common? What do these three things have in common? I'll tell you. They're all feedback mechanisms. That's all they are. They are feedback mechanisms. One is a feedback for uh, how much of something you have. One's a feedback on how long whatever you're doing is taking. And the other is a feedback if you're trying to shoot a basketball. It, it, it just tells you, are you shooting straight or not? Are you shooting high enough? That, that all, that's all it is. How many of you are scared of these three things? How many of you are scared of clocks, scared of measuring cups, scared of, probably none of you. If, if I had measuring cups in my hand as you came out, I don't think anybody would go, oh, I don't want to shake your hand today, pastor. I don't want to get near those measuring cups. But if you want to be a good cook, you got to get comfortable with measuring cups, right? The feedback, they're nothing to be afraid of. And yet so many of us walk through our life fearing feedback. We, we will do so much to avoid it. So simply ask yourself today, do I fear feedback? And if you fear feedback, it might be that insecurity has a grip upon you the same way it had a grip upon many in the Corinthian church. And it might be that it has the power to tear apart the unity of your relationships and even the unity of us as a church. And so we have to say, what does God say to us in such a time? Well, Paul, writing to the Corinthians, he gets to this point pretty quickly. Uh, this is his first of two letters, at least two letters to the, the Corinthians. Some, some scholars think that what we have as first and second Corinthians was originally three letters. But this is at the very beginning of his first letter to the Corinthians in, in the third chapter. Uh, he's, he says this to address how insecurity is tearing apart the Corinthian church. He says, And so, brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food. Even now you are still not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not of the flesh, and behaving according to human inclinations. For when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So what, what Paul's saying here is this insecurity manifested itself in the church after Paul preached another evangelist named Apollos, who Paul knew, who was a great evangelist, uh, a great preacher, uh, a great missionary in the early church, came and preached. And then some people would say, well, I belong, I, you know, I follow Paul. And others would say, well, well, I follow Apollos. And some felt they were superior Christians to the others because they followed Paul. And some felt they were superior because they followed Apollos. And Paul said, no, if, if you think that way, you are entirely missing the point. He, he says, you know, I, I gave you, I planted, I gave you the seeds of faith. And Apollos watered and he helped that faith grow. 
but you don't follow Paul, you don't follow Apollos, you follow Jesus Christ, that that's, that's where your identity is, and you're living out of this insecurity that is tearing apart the unity of the church, because you're trying to define yourselves as better than one another, because you like this particular preacher, or you like that particular preacher, and we could go on, uh, you know, uh, you, you like this particular style of worship, or you like this particular style of worship, uh, or you like this, you, you like that, however we want to do, say it, he's saying that's, that's not what it's all about. And that comes from an insecurity of trying to define yourself as better than someone else. And when you live within that insecurity, it's almost impossible to grow. It's almost impossible to grow in, in your faith. And he says, God's the one who comes to give the growth. So don't live in that insecurity because what you do is you shut yourself off from the growth that God comes to bring. Now, I've talked to a lot of people here who work in our community garden, and it is amazing what they know about plants. Most of them have forgotten more about plants than I will ever know about plants. They can tell you what to plant in the fall, what to plant in the winter, what to plant in the spring, what to plant in, in the summer. They, they can tell you, you know, all these amazing things. But when I ask them about plants, I find that two things generally come up. I've ne when I ask them anything about any crop or anything we plant there uh, to grow for the uh, food ministries in our community, there, there's something in common. Every plant they plant needs sun and rain to grow. Everyone. We don't have a single plant in our garden uh, that doesn't need sun and rain. E everyone. Uh, every plant needs sun and rain to grow. Some needs more, some need less, but they all need that. Well, it's almost the same with people. Plants need sun, sun and rain. People need humility and courage. They need humility and courage to grow in their faith. Humility to, instead of running from feedback, to seek it out. Humility, rather than defining themselves as better than one another because I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I think this way, you, you think that way, uh, but rather than that, they need that humility that says, I want to learn. I have something I can learn from you. You can help me grow. And that courage to be able to, to look inside. So what we find in 1 Corinthians is that Paul says, if you're insecure, it will manifest itself. This is verse 3, uh, in jealousy and quarreling, in saying you're better than others. Or in finding yourself jealous of what others have. But if you're secure, it will manifest itself in humility and in courage. Not just the willingness to listen to feedback, but, but also to seek it out. Because you know what, what insecurity does to us. Insecurity creates know-it-alls, right? You've been around them. But humility creates lifelong learners. Insecurity often disguises itself uh, as ar arrogance. Uh, and what it does is arrogance keeps us ignorant. Insecurity uh, comes across as we've, we've got it all figured out. But what, what humility says uh, is that I have something to learn from you. I, I have something. To, I, I once was preaching, and this was sev several years ago when I had even more of a Beautiful baby face than I do right now. And I had a, 
lady in my church came come up to me. She was 80 years old. She was a pillar of the church. And she said, you know, Pastor, I really appreciate you and your family that you're here at the church. But if you ever catch my eyes closed during the sermon, I just want you to know I've been listening to sermons for 80 years. And I don't think there's anything you're going to say that I haven't already, already heard. <laughs> and I said to her, I said, well, ma'am, I don't claim to be the, the best preacher in the world, but I want to ask you this. Is there nothing more that Jesus can say to you through the scriptures than what you've already heard? Because I don't think this is a conversation you need to have with me. I think this is a conversation you need to have with Jesus because I think he still has growth for you. I think he still has a purpose for you. I think there's still something for you out there, just like there, there is for all, all of us uh, this willingness this desire uh, to grow and, and to learn, and sometimes to learn from even those with whom we disagree, and sometimes to learn from even those who give us feedback in inappropriate ways. One of my favorite Proverbs uh, is this, it is the glory of man to not take offense. And when people come to me with feedback about myself, and they present it in ways that I wish they had chosen different words and a different tone of voice with which to present it, I remind myself of that proverb. Because my goal in such times is not to criticize them for how they bring the feedback, but to say, is there any kernel of truth within this that I can take that can help me grow in faith, that can help me be a better person? And many of you have probably found yourself doing that at times throughout your life. And it's not an easy thing to do. But if you can do that, it unlocks a new world. It unlocks a new world of relationships and it unlocks a new world of potential. potential. Because here's what courage is. Courage is the willingness to look inside rather than blame those on the outside. The Corinthian church, some of them were blaming those Paul followers Others were blaming those Apollos followers. But then I'm sure there were some who were looking on the inside and saying, how can we all be followers of Christ? How, how can we do this? How can I most faithfully follow? And that's this incredible mission that God's given to the church. In a world where often insecurity causes people to define themselves over and against one another, God's given us a different way. God's given us a better way in the church to bring people together, to truly love our neighbors as we love ourselves, to, to love one another. And here's what God offers us in the church that overcomes the worldly insecurity within which most people live. And it's this, that insecurity comes from finding our identity in how much better we are than others. But True security comes from finding our identity in how much better God is than us. And once you've accepted this, that God has received you and forgiven you, though you didn't deserve it, and God has been poured grace upon grace upon grace upon you, it's so much easier to extend that to others and to, to welcome others in, warts and all, with whatever they, they have going on. And that's so much of what our church can be in this world, in this world where there is so much that is divided our church can be that place. And it's so sad to me when I look at the church in America right now and I see local churches 
And I see denominations dividing themselves along ideological, political lines. They're giving up their birthright. In the Old Testament, we see that Esau sells his birthright for a bowl of soup, right? And we're selling our birthright for political ideology. We're telling people in some places to, to stay out because you're not like us. That's not what Christ came to, to do. And the scriptures tell us that if we don't carry out the mission, God will find somebody to do it. Yeah, scriptures say if God's people don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. It's amazing how, the, how this happens. Uh, have any of you seen, came out several years ago, the Heineken beer commercial? I know, not what you expect to hear from the pulpit today. But the Heineken beer commercial that asks the question, are we more united than divided? What they do is they take several groups of people, they take two people, uh, and they do it with, with a couple different groups who have very, very different ideologies about certain, certain hot-button issues in society today. And they bring them together, and they don't tell them anything about one another, but they simply meet, these two people meet, and then they have a task that they have to complete together. They have to build a table together. And they have instructions for, for how to do so. Uh, maybe Ikea also sponsored part of the, the commercial. I, I don't know. But they build this table together. And then as they do, part of the instruction is to talk with one another a little bit about who they are and how they experience life. And, and they do this, and you see this unfolding. And it's really neat to see two people who don't know each other accomplishing a task and sharing. And you can almost see a, a friendship forming. Then when they have accomplished the task... Uh, they are shown a video. And the video shows the other person who they've just begun building a friendship with expressing their political views that are the exact opposite of their own. And then they are asked, do you want to sit down? You can, they're, they're told, you can leave right now or you can sit down and continue the conversation over a beer. And they all choose to continue. And it's, it's, it's amazing. And I can tell you, I, I knew that God said the rocks would cry out. I never thought God would use beer companies, right? <laughs> and I don't think we as the church can any longer forfeit our birthright to beer companies. I don't think that is what's best for, for the world, that this is what the church is called to be. This place where we have a degree of love that allows us to love folks however they are. And rather than asking the question of how can I make you like me, we ask the question, how can I love you like Christ? And what can I learn from you that can help me become more like Christ? I'm not saying that how we feel about certain issues doesn't have merit. I'm not saying that every opinion on every issue is equal. It is not. I have my own opinions because I believe that certain opinions do harm and certain opinions do good. But I'm saying in the church, we are called to a task greater than simply lifting up our opinions. We are called to the task of lifting up the Lord of love and the Prince of Peace. And in doing so, not only in our words from the pulpit uh, and our songs of worship, but in our interaction with, with one another, we're called to remind the world this great truth 
that overcomes all our insecurities. Uh, the truth that provides the foundation on which we stand that we find in Romans 8, that God proves his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ didn't die for us after we were all cleaned up and had ourselves together. Christ died for us at our very worst, at our most rotten, before we had turned around and turned towards God, before we even wanted to, uh, when we had malice and hatred in our hearts, when we were consumed with selfishness, God took all that and Jesus looked at us from that cross and he said, they're enough. They're worthy to die for. I would die for them all and I would die for that one. That one who is completely turned away from me and wants nothing to do for, with me. If I had to do this all over again, I would put myself on the cross just for that one because that one is enough to make this sacrifice worth it. That's how much our God loves us. That's where our security comes from. A God who loves us with that never-ending, everlasting love. Friends, let's not sell our birthright for a bowl of soup. Let's not allow insecurity to cause us to do that or to forfeit our mission in the world and turn it over to beer companies. I don't think their track record will be great, though I enjoy that commercial. Let's do what we were called to do. Let's love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Let's humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. And let's humble ourselves in our relationships and see if we can learn from others how to be more like Christ. Because as we do so, they may just see Christ in us at the same time. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you loved us enough at our very worst to die for us. We thank you that you have showered us with grace upon grace upon grace, that you have removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west, that you have lifted us up as the apple of your eye, even when there has been so much rottenness within our hearts. Lord, we thank you. God, so often we have lived out of insecurity. We have justified ourselves by thinking how much better we were than others. Lord, once again, forgive us. Help us to learn the lesson that Paul taught the first Corinthian church that you are everything, that we do not find our security in our ideas or our wisdom, but we find it in your love and in your grace. And for this, now and forever, we give you thanks. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. 
Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.